This is the Education Exchange with Paul Peterson. I am the senior editor at Education Next. Thank you for joining us. Magnet schools are among the first organized school choice program ever developed in the United States. Begun in the 1970s, they were designed to help schools desegregate voluntarily by erecting new schools or redesigning old schools in such a way that they would be so attractive they would attract an interracial clientele from throughout the school district. Whites and blacks, Asians and Hispanics would all flock to these new superior schools in order to take advantage of the special educational features of these institutions. Nearly 50 years later, how has this all worked out? Are magnet schools true magnets so powerful they benefit all those who come within their field of force? Julian Betts and his colleagues at the Department of Economics at the University of California, San Diego, have conducted an experiment that allows them to identify the long-term effects of magnet schools in San Diego. They have taken advantage of the fact that admission to these schools is by lottery in many instances, and they have looked at college enrollments and graduation rates. Of particular interest, they look at the percentage of students who graduate with a four-year bachelor's degree or its equivalent, depending on whether or not they win the lottery to go to a magnet school. Julian, thank you for joining me on the Education Exchange. It's great to be here. So, Julian, when were the San Diego magnet schools created? Are they as old as uh, magnet schools elsewhere in the country? Yeah, they date back at least four decades, and they've been thriving for many decades now. So how many are there in San Diego? Uh, During the period we study, there are roughly 30 magnet schools. Uh, Magnet schools come and go, but that's quite a few, and uh, magnet schools in the period we study account for roughly one out of ten enrollees in San Diego Unified School District. So it's a significant presence. So 10% of the students are going to a magnet school. Now, are these high schools or are they elementary schools? What are Um, are they? All across the board. In the study we're going to be talking about most today, we're looking at magnet schools at the middle school and high school level. We have an earlier report about a decade ago published by the Public Policy Institute of California where we looked at test score gains at elementary, middle, and, and high school magnets as well. And we found a few differences. The, the biggest positive, the, the, the big positive effect I remember from that study was that magnet schools were outperforming a little bit in mathematics, but at the high school level, not in the, the lower grades. So um, now what is the ethnic composition of the magnet sector in, in San Diego? Is it mostly black, white, Hispanic? What's the... Um, so uh, magnet schools are really of two types nationwide. Uh, some tend to be in, in less affluent areas. So the goal is really to draw students in from more affluent uh, neighborhoods. And then there are other types of magnets essentially trying to do the opposite, trying to attract students from less affluent neighborhoods to more affluent neighborhoods. Uh, in San Diego, on average, the magnet schools have a higher proportion of African-American and Hispanic students than, uh, than you see in traditional public schools in the district. So, okay, so it's a somewhat more minority sector than the district as a whole. Right. But not overwhelmingly so. No, not massively different. Yeah. So how much extra do they cost for the district? Are they, are they, do they have the same resources as everybody else, or do they get extra resources? 
I think historically the main additional cost of running the magnet schools is that uh, there's a cost associated with busing. If you live more than uh, X miles away, I can't remember if that's 1.5 or 2.5 miles away from a magnet school, the district would provide busing. That's the main cost. There are some additional costs. Um, all these schools have unique uh, curricular or, or pedagogical uh, focal points, and so there's probably some costs associated with that as well. Some of these costs historically have been borne uh, by a federal program, the MSAP program, the Magnet School Assistance Program. So I know that has funded some of uh, the Magnet Schools in San Diego uh, over the last few decades. So are there special programs in the Magnet Schools? Are they science-focused or arts-focused? or? Uh, yes to all of the above, actually. <laughs> They're really quite diverse. Uh, there's a, a school for creative and performing arts. There are a number of schools that have a, a STEM focus, in other words, science, technology, engineering, and, and, and math. Uh, they, they're really quite varied. So it's, it's not just, all, they're, not, they're not cookie cutter schools then. There's a, each school has its own unique that's, flavor. That's right. They're governed in the same way as traditional public schools. What makes them different is they're supposed to have a, a different, different theme, each one from each other. So are they popular? Is it hard to get into them if you're a student in the San Diego Unified School District? They are quite popular. Uh, with one out of ten students attending, that tells you something. Uh, there are a couple of other forms of school choice in the district as well, and uh, we see that some magnet schools that tend to be oversubscribed more than the schools participating in the other forms, such as open enrollment and uh, uh, another form of... Uh, school choice we have in San Diego, which has its roots in a 1970s court desegregation order. So they have succeeded in this respect. They are a magnet. They um, do seem to be attracting people a yes, little more than the average it, school. It, it varies from school to school, actually, but, but uh, a number of them are definitely oversubscribed. So then they hold a lottery to decide when, when they're oversubscribed? Exactly. And how does this lottery work? Um, well, these are wonderful for us as social scientists, right? Because we're, we're now going to be able to compare lottery winners and, and losers. The way it works is that every, every family in the district receives uh, communication every year about all the forms of school choice available in the district, uh, glossy uh, brochure, and uh, families have to apply by a certain deadline. And uh, any, uh, any grade at a given school which is oversubscribed then has a lottery. Each application receives a separate random number. Uh, students are grouped, well, first of all, by the school they've applied to and the grade they've applied to, but also into priority groups. So, for example, typically the top priority group is if you already have a sibling at the school, you will have priority over any other student. Uh, so typically what happens is the school will, will admit everybody in the top priority group and then work its way down from one priority group to the next to the next until finally uh, it runs out of slots. And well, what the, are the low priority groups? Uh, once you get past the, siblings, what, the, uh, 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 the lowest priority groups are you you missed the deadline or you applied from out of district. Okay, but then how about the inter, the middle ones there? The middle ones. So uh, no child left behind starts to enter the picture during part of uh, our sample. If you recall, that the federal NCLB law required that that schools that were not making significant improvements had to offer uh, busing, uh, in other words, school choice, to their students so they could go elsewhere. 
And the way San Diego dealt with this, uh, at least in the initial years, was to make sure that students at, at schools that were in need of improvement under the No Child Left Behind definition uh, were, were offered places at magnet schools and in some of the other choice programs uh, in the district as well. So those kids started to get priority over other kids. Uh, I, I'd say roughly speaking, this really started to have an impact around 2005 and, and later. All right, so lotteries are held, and so you can compare lottery winners with lottery losers for those spots further down. After all the priority ones get in for those down the list a bit, then they go into this lottery. So how many students going to magnet schools fall into your study? Um, let's see. We've got about 8,000 students in our entire sample across the three types of choice and roughly half of those are magnet school applicants. So, so we've got about 4,000. So about 4,000 magnet school applicants, and then the other two choice things are? They're about a quarter of the sample each. One, one's open enrollment, and the other's sort of a California-specific. It's a, it's a form of busing where underperforming schools, typically in less affluent areas, are paired up with two or three receiving schools in more affluent areas. And they do that so that the busing routes will not be too convoluted or too complex. So that's terribly complicated. I don't want to get into that one too much. <laughs> I'll just stick here with this magnet school thing for now. So you, about half of these students in, are, are, are in your study were going to, to magnet schools, 4,000 students. That's a nice big number. So what, uh, what years did you... Uh, Observed this, and uh, your observations come from what years at the at the school? We looked at school choice applications for admission in fall 2001 through fall 2007, and then we followed students throughout their entire uh, middle school and high school careers, and for up to six years after high school graduation, during which period we gathered data on their post-secondary outcomes as well. Well, that's pretty remarkable. There's very, very few people in the United States who have lottery data on a magnet school system and following kids all the way through college and, and cohorts of students over seven years. That's a really amazing data set that you have put together. Yeah, it really reflects the longstanding collaboration that we at the San Diego Education Research Alliance have had with San Diego Unified. We've been working together for 18 years and really... There's a great deal of trust, but also knowledge being built up on, on both sides. So we, we feel ourselves fortunate. Well, okay, so now you've got all of this information. What do you find? What, what, is, what are some of the key findings that emerge from your study? So the first thing is, I think one could be skeptical and say, well, you're just transferring a student from one public school to another. How do we know there's any difference? Uh, we know that there are curricular differences thematic differences, but are there any differences in, in test scores or changes in test scores, uh, student demographics? It turns out there are massive differences between the school, the magnet schools to which students are applying, and the local schools they would have attended uh, otherwise. Parents tend to be more highly educated, uh, test scores are higher, behavioral grades are higher, grade point average is higher. Uh, so these do, well, on average, appear to be better, right. better schools. It sounds like than, these are the places that I want my kids to go to because, well, the, the parents are well-educated there. Parents are going to be engaged in the school. Kids are performing better. That's sounds, what we'd hope, you know, compared to the local alternative, absolutely. 
Um, so we looked at two types of outcomes. The first are a measure of a series of measures of high school outcomes that we really put together thinking of college readiness. Are you graduating on time? Uh, are you completing enough courses in grade nine to be on track to graduate? This is a measure that uh, researchers at the University of Chicago showed years ago are some of the best predictors of long-term outcomes. Do you pass the California high school exit exam on your first attempt in, in grade 10? Then the second set of measures uh, had to do with post-secondary outcomes. Uh, do you enroll in community college or four years uh, colleges, and do you actually obtain degrees or certificates at these institutions? Well, this is this is all fascinating material. I'm speaking with uh, Julian Betts, uh, who is an economist at the University of California in San Diego, about the magnet school program that he is evaluating there. So, all of this data you have. So, what are you finding? Are these kids graduating from high school? Are they going on to college? Are they getting BAs? Is there a big advantage to going to a magnet school in San Diego? Well, let's start with the high school outcomes. When you look at graduation on time or passing exit exams. Uh, things like that, we're not finding significant differences between lottery winners and losers. In some ways that's surprising because we showed that the schools do look different in terms of having higher average test scores and so on. Uh, in a way the more exciting set of outcomes we have though is these post-secondary outcomes. Uh, we think they're exciting because if you have a college degree that's more strongly related to earnings later in life than is having a high test score in, in high school. Yeah, well, yeah and, and test scores are feeding as, a, as the thing to study. Everybody now is thinking we gotta look at these long-term outcomes, and you've can, got these long-term outcomes, yes. Yeah, so uh, we, on the whole, we found similar sorts of effects at the post-secondary level. Um, the strongest thing we found across these three types of school choice was some evidence that um, students were more likely to obtain an associate's degree or a certificate at a community college within four or five years of graduating than if, if they won the lottery than if they had not won the lottery. But at least with the magnet schools, they're less likely to get a four-year BA degree. Well, that's, I was getting to that. So there's one specific outcome to the, to the magnet schools. Uh, we've, uh, we looked at whether you get a bachelor's within four or five or six years. We find no difference between lottery winners in terms of getting a college degree, a bachelor's degree within four years or five years, by year six, uh, there actually appears to be an, a negative impact of having won a lottery, which uh, is surprising. Yeah, that is amazing. So uh, you, my, when I told my wife about this this morning, she says, well, why? <laughs> so right. I said, I will yeah. ask him, why? What's, what's your, do you have any, I know you don't have anything right. in the data that's going to tell right. you for sure, but right. what do you think? Well, one pattern we saw, which wasn't always statistically significant, seemed to be that um, winning a school choice lottery is associated with a greater likelihood of enrolling in a community college and a slightly lower likelihood of enrolling in a four-year college. So there could be some uh, increase in the probability that you go to a post-secondary, but, but that post-secondary institution being a community college rather than a four-year. Maybe it tracks you into a more vocational career. It's More possible. of a technical education. It's possible. And there's no, no shame associated with that. We don't call it voc ed anymore. We call it career and technical education. There are a lot of really exciting careers out there that have a technical component, don't necessarily require a bachelor's degree. Um, we're going to do additional robustness checks on, on this as well in the, in the coming months to see if we can learn more about you know, who these students are. 
and 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 what might be happening creating this magnet school graduate but i think the larger effect. finding that emerges from your study is that across a lot of these choice programs whether we're talking about the open enrollment program or the california beat program is that, is that the right word for it um the the VEAP program uh, voluntary enrollment exchange program that's a that's a san diego specific acronym there's a statewide law called choice which is an awfully generic term. What it means is open enrollment. So there's a statewide open enrollment program. We've got magnets, and then we've got this uh, busing program called VEEP that uh, in intends to basically integrate the district socioeconomically. So overall, you're finding that they really don't produce outcomes that are much different from what you get on the part of your local neighborhood school. Right. So far, we're not finding big differences in terms of post-secondary uh, outcomes. We're working to gather more data now. Um, you never know that, that when we increase the sample we may find something popping up that right now is statistically insignificant, but while it remains insignificant we can't get very excited about, about estimated effects like that. Well this is a, a very important study. Uh, you know the one thing that makes it so important is that magnet schools have been around for a very long period of time. You're not looking at something that was invented yesterday and doing a premature evaluation. And you're not just looking at so, sort of short-term test scores that may not be correlated with downstream consequences. You're looking at a mature innovation that, and you're looking at it from the point of view of long-term outcomes. Right, right. And right now I'm actually uh, working with somebody on a literature review and what we know about magnet schools nationwide. Uh, most of the studies are looking at achievement and uh, I don't think our paper is going to be ready for a couple of months, but so far we're finding pretty, pretty mixed results. Um, and, and again, similar to this, uh, I did some work with some great colleagues at American Institutes for Research a few years ago on a, a nationwide study of elementary schools that converted to magnet school status and the the average uh, relation between entering a magnet school and test scores in that study was was zero but we found big variations uh, there were some schools where we found positive significant effects we found a bunch of schools where there was not a significant impact either positive or negative and a few schools where there's actually a, a negative significant well, effect. Well, did you find the same thing here? That there's there are some of these magnet schools that are doing, you know, hitting home runs, and there's others that can't get to first base. That, that's our, our very next step. One thing we we haven't est made estimates for individual schools yet, but one thing we've done is to look at the character characteristics of the schools to which students apply, and we looked at things like what's the difference in test scores between your local school you'd be going to if you lose the lottery and the magnet school to which you applied. Um, so we're looking at test score differences, differences in test score, annual test score gains, differences in socioeconomic characteristics of students, and we're really not finding on the whole that those variables can explain differences between uh, participating in one magnet school lottery versus, versus another. So there's a lot more that needs to be done here to understand all the mysteries that we've uncovered. Well, I think it's, it is humbling for people who think that choice is going to be the, the solution, uh, at least within the public sector. Uh, you know, one possible explanation is that schools in San Diego are all under the same administrative umbrella. They're all subjected to the same collective bargaining agreement. They all have a uniform set of policies. They're probably going to be more similar than they are different. 
I, I think that's a possibility, but at the same time, there's a, there's a real parallel here between this and the charter school literature. Charter schools are operated independently of, of districts. Uh, the voucher literature, where we're looking at opportunities for students to enroll in private schools, the results there are quite mixed uh, as well. And so it seems like the next step for this entire literature on school choice is really trying to figure out why is it that some schools of choice outperform uh, and how do, we, how do we replicate that? It's not going to be easy. That is something that we have definitely learned. I've been speaking with Julian Betts, an economist at the University of California at San Diego, about school choice in the San Diego Unified School District. Thank you, Julian, for joining me on the Education Exchange. You're welcome. This has been great. I am Paul Peterson. This is the Education Exchange. Please join me for a new Education Exchange podcast released on the Education Next website every Monday at noon Eastern time. Thank you for joining me.